hello everyone and welcome to our program, Weed is Legal, Now What? My name is Shermin Khan and I'm a pause peer mentor from the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. So we're so excited to bring our event to you today. So our focus will be to have an open discussion about the new New York state law legalizing recreational marijuana. Since today is internationally known as Weed Day, we are here to break it down for you about what this new law means and how it affects us all. And so today we are joined by Sarah Redfield, Baruch College Substance Abuse Prevention Coordinator, who will be speaking to us more about what to expect with the law. So before we get started, I'd like Red to give a brief introduction. Floor is yours. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Charmaine. Like you said, uh, my name is Sarah Redfield. I go by Red, uh, and I'm the prevention coordinator on campus, uh, off campus. So what that means is that I'm just helping to make sure that you as the students and that students do not mess up their entire college career um, by misusing certain drugs um, or drinking too much. So uh, I always like to tell everybody, you know, first and foremost, I am not here to preach abstinence. I'm not here to preach um, drinking a lot or uh, using a lot of drugs. I fall somewhere in the middle where we like to talk about our relationship with drugs and alcohol, and that's what's important. Um, yeah, so that's that. And I think uh, just to reiterate what Elise said earlier on, this is not something, this isn't a pros or cons to smoking. This isn't me here to tell you not to do it, to do it. This is literally just to talk about the legalization so that nobody gets in trouble. Because I think there's gonna be a lot of misconceptions around what legalization of recreational weed looks like um, in New York. So I'll leave it at that and then we can get going with the questions. Perfect. So now that our attendee, attendees have more knowledge about Red's role on campus, we're gonna move forward with our program. So before we get started, I'd like all the attendees to know that the terms weed, marijuana, pot, et cetera, refer back to the same thing, cannabis, which is a greenish gray mixture of the dried flowers, cannabis sativa. And so before we get started, uh, Red, could you tell us just what cannabis exactly is? What type of drug is it classified as? Yeah, so uh, cannabis is a very interesting and uh, just intricate type of drug. Um, What's important to understand is that, like many people, uh, cannabis doesn't like to be labeled. So it can just fall under many different um, classes of drugs. So I'll just start off by saying that whenever I'm referring to cannabis, I'm just referring to everything that could be possibly known as weed that has THC. So that's like, um, that's CBD, that's gonna be THC, that's gonna be, if we're talking about oils, hash, hemp, anything that comes from that cannabinoid uh, molecule, that's what we're talking about. So I say cannabis so that I can encompass it all. Um, and so it doesn't really fall under one thing in terms of depressant, stimulant, or hallucinogen. It can literally fall under all of them. And people have such a different uh, reaction or experience with cannabis that again, it can go under any of the classes. So, um, I don't like to label it just because it's kind of its own thing because people can either feel really chill and relaxed when they are using marijuana or cannabis um, or they can feel like really hyped up and like it makes them want to go out and it makes them want to party. Um, and then other people have really bad paranoia when they smoke or take an edible. So it can literally be the gamut. It can run the gamut on things and that's why we don't classify it. And, and I will just say it is still currently 
classified as a schedule one drug. And what that means is that the DEA and the government has decided to put different classes on the drugs that um, they have, that's been seen over time. And what that means is that it's a schedule one, which is kind of silly. And I'm sure now that more states are moving towards legalization, this will probably get bumped down in scheduling. Um, but the schedule one is for non-medical purposes and highly addictive. So weed is up there with um, ecstasy and some forms of acid, which just doesn't make sense, right? Um, so I think once we see more states moving towards the legalization, we will see that the, the marijuana, uh, the cannabis will be moved down a schedule because there's a schedule twos and schedule threes. So that's just a little fun fact for you, I guess, if you find that stuff fun. Uh, that's a great background about just understanding what cannabis exactly is. So now moving on to the legalization aspect, could you please give us a brief breakdown of what the new legalization of recreational marijuana in New York State means? So what is the difference from its previous legalization with medicinal use and now recreational? Yeah, so for medicinal use means basically you just had to have a prescription from a doctor. And so that was somebody who had some type of ailment. Maybe they were at the you know end stages of cancer um, and they were prescribed this. And now I think a, a, a big misconception about that was that, you know, there are some you know, obviously healing effects of marijuana and, and cannabis. But what we were seeing in the medical use was that a lot of people who just needed that relief from the terrible, you know, disease or um, illness that they were handling. So again, end of life, um, really bad cancer, people were getting um, relief from the nausea because it's, a known fact that when you get the munchies, when you're smoking. So some people would use that so they could eat. Um, and so, and yes, it can help with some pain for people. So there was many reasons why people were using the medicinal. Um, so now jumping to recreational use, you, you're not needing that license, not license. You don't, you don't need that prescription anymore from the doctor. Um, for for this use, for recreational use, is simply stating that now, if you're over 21, so just like alcohol, over 21, you can purchase and you can now use uh, marijuana or cannabis. Uh, and that's huge for New York State. Um, and I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting for, you know, the decriminalization for our marginalized populations. And it's really gonna help with that, that justice aspect of it. Um, so I think there's another question coming up about the actual like guidelines about the law. Do you want me to go over that now or should we not? Yeah, that's actually the next question, like um, looking closer into the limitations of the law. So I think um, I'll mention the question and you can really go in depth with it. Um, so sure. this question was like, let's say if you're carrying it with you and you move across state borders, Will you be responsible for the state's laws or the federal laws? Yes, and that's always, um, so here's the thing, you gotta remember too, is that New York state is not the first person or first state to do this. So we have a lot to go on with California and Colorado and all of the states out West that have done this. So, um, but first and foremost, 
you will get in trouble if you're going to be transporting across state lines. So what this means is that um, the federal law st still says that marijuana is illegal, and that's just the bottom line. Um, while the federal authorities have made it public that they will be turning a blind eye to these states that have the initiatives, um, that doesn't mean that if you are in their jurisdiction that they they won't arrest you or they won't follow their federal guidelines. So what that might look like is if let's say you got stopped, um, I don't know, what's, what's where are we gonna go? We're gonna go on a road trip and you got stopped in Tennessee and um, you had marijuana on you. That's now because you crossed over, let's say you have New York state plates, you know, your licenses, from New York, they're going to think that you're transporting it, and that's going to be now in the um, jurisdiction of the federal laws. So to play it safe, we'll say, don't, don't carry it on you if you're going to be going to different states. You know, you have to follow those laws states when you get there. So let's say you take a trip to Colorado, and you decide to use there. That's fine. But you can't bring that marijuana or cannabis back with you. Um, on the plane and you can't drive it in a car back. That's just the, that's the bottom line. Um, so what it looks like to have it on you um, in New York state now, this means that you can possess up to three ounces on your person. Um, and that's 24 grams of like oils or hash or dab or all those other things that are um, lighter. So that's that. And if you have it over three ounces, they're going to question you and ask you like, what's up? Like, that's going to be the law. Um, let's see, what else is there? I want to make sure that I cover everything. Um, yeah, so that's that question of the three ounces of marijuana and then the oils. Um, but this is where it's going to be important to understand for our CUNY students. CUNY is a federally funded school, which means that we get some funds from the feds. And so what that means is that it is the understanding that these campuses, the campuses that get those federal fundings must follow the federal law. And that means that Baruch is a dry campus. Its policy is that there is not to be use of marijuana, THC, edibles, alcohol, on campus. It doesn't mean in the quad. It doesn't mean um, on the streets directly around the campus. You have to be completely off campus for the rules. So I say this because if you are on campus in a classroom and for some reason it is discovered that you have that three ounces on you, you'll probably have to go see Brandy Pierre in conduct and then come and see me and we'll talk about it. So just know that because things are legal in New York State does not mean that on campus that it is okay. So basically what you have to do is you have to understand the policy of Baruch, which is available online for you and we can send out. But basically it's a, you can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't eat, you can't vape on campus. Got it. That's like really important. I think that final point, because I don't think people realize that because they're assuming maybe if it's all over the state, it applies to school, but that's not the case. So I think that's really important. 
Um, we already touched upon like if someone has more than three ounces, you will be asked about that. So um, I'd like to move on to now more in terms of how the economy may be affected. So if there will be open access to marijuana, how may that affect New York financially? Will those who used to sell marijuana on their own not be considered legal sellers now? Will they be liable for that? Yes. So here's what we have to assume. When I assume the individuals that are selling now, they do not possess a license. And so what the selling of cannabis is going to look like now is that there's going to be dispensaries popping up, probably not until 2020, late 2020, because um, here's some fun facts for you. To acquire a license, you have to submit a $10,000 non-refundable application. That's just to apply to have a dispensary. If you get, um, and then on top of that, you have to supply a $200,000 registration fee. So if you, if you put in your application and it gets rejected, you're out um, $10,000. If it gets um, accepted, that $200,000 will go towards the setup of your dispensary. So when we're talking about individuals who sold it before, we're not, we're not dummies here. They're not gonna go away completely. They're still going to be drug dealers, underground drug dealers. Um, but the, they'll more than likely have more than three ounces on them. So if they were to get caught, they will then be with intent to sell and there could be an arrest made there. Um, so where it is great that the economy is going to benefit from this, it's projected to increase the economy by almost $2 billion. Um, it's going to be a great way for the economy to bounce back, especially after this, the COVID that's happened and wrecked a lot of things. Um, but it's also going to bring up a lot of injustice in terms of who's gonna get those applications. So I think that in terms of marginalized populations, um, I believe that 50% of the applications are going to go to um, women, uh, people of color, and then there was maybe um, like LGBTQ. So those more marginalized populations, they're going to try to give at least 50% of the applications um, to those to those people. Because what we've seen in like Colorado and California is that it's heavily white. People who are owning these dispensaries are white. And I mean, it's because they're the ones that can afford $10,000 for an application that you could be out if you get rejected. So I'm hoping that that law is in place for um, the marginalized communities to be able to have these dispensaries. Got it. So that's so that's pretty interesting that the dispensaries will be regulated. So that was like the next question about like, is there a central body? But I also wanted to ask, like, are people going to also be able to grow it on their own? Or like if they do, like, is there a legal amount that they can? Grow? Yes. Yeah. So you are allowed up to five plants if you're an individual. So those five plants, it's going to be assumed that they're for your own use, right? If you wanna you know, be an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, if you wanna be a crafter of cannabis and grow your own plants and dry it out and you know, learn the craft of making marijuana, that's fine, but you can have five plants. 
anything above that, it looks like there's intent to sell. Um, so talking about who's gonna regulate all of this, there is an entity that's coming into play here. It's called the Office of, the Office of Can Cannabis Management. Um, you can go online. They have a website currently. However, this is a very new law, very, very new. So there's still a lot of unknowns. So we don't know if they're going to be doing, I don't, I highly doubt, but if they're going to be doing raids, like to go and see if you have five plants, you know, like nobody knows what's happening in terms of how strict and how these laws are going to roll out. But these are just the kind of five plants per person. And that's with the assumption that it's going to be for personal use and not to sell. Because remember, you have to have a license now to sell. Got it. Um, and now the next question is in terms of like how the use of cannabis may appear in like consumer products. So do you think we may find more cannabis in our day-to-day -day products? And if so, like how might that affect certain groups who may not be allowed to consume cannabis, whether it be like cultural, faith-related? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, so I used to live in California and I actually worked on a campus in California. And there we know that they are well into recreational use and they have plenty of dispensaries. So where you might find those products with THC in them, you will, you will mostly find in the dispensaries because again, you can be heavily, heavily fined if you do not have a license to sell these products with THC, right? So it'd be like if um, you went into a store that didn't have a liquor license and it was selling liquor, heavily fined. It's going to be the same way. I doubt that we will see grocery stores carrying THC products. Um, we are starting to see like CBD stuff and hemp stuff, but those aren't at the same potency that you know THC is, nor does it have the same effects as THC. So I highly doubt we'll see, you know, products just like in our bodegas here in the city with THC stuff. Got it. Sounds good. Um, and then just going back to like the question, like related to the campus and how the campus is going to adhere to these new legal moves. How do you think the campus rules may be, how may they, how will they be further emphasized now? How are they going to look? Because I don't like people may not know about the, the federal laws that apply to the college. So how do you think the college may implement this now, the system? Um, I think what I think what the legalization of recreational use is going to do for a lot of campuses is maybe remind them that it it's not legal um, for the campus. So they might I just, I feel that maybe in the first few months, there might be a little more enforcement and just a little bit of a, um, more of a watchful eye. However, I don't feel that currently that Baruch has, you know, I don't think we have a huge issue with students on campus use, um, maybe one or two in the dorms, but as far as like on campus in the building, there's not too, it's not too bad. Um, cause I would see them and I haven't gotten many. So once we're back, I think maybe it's going to take a few months to get everybody back into the groove of things and know the rules. Um, but public safety will know very well that, you know, 
you can't be smoking a joint in the quad basically when that's open and when we get back. Got it. So now, um, like this is the final question for the program and we'll open it up to Q and A after, but, um, at the end of the day, what would you like our students to know as prevention coordinator, what can students know about your role to prepare themselves in case they choose to safely begin using substances? Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, I'm not here to tell you to smoke, not to smoke, but um, I'm here to just guide you if you have any questions. Um, obviously, I'm not I, I'm not allowed to guide you in a, a safe high or trip or anything, but um, if at any point you feel that your use is getting out of hand or something that uh, you want to take a deeper look at, you can come and talk to me. You can email me uh, and we can just have a chat. I'm I'm not a counselor, so you wouldn't be in treatment. I'm I'm here just to basically talk and just make sure that you know a person feels comfortable with their use and if they're struggling, where they can go to you know get help and talk to somebody if they do want to take steps to change. Um, but again, I'm not the party patrol, and there's plenty of people that can use safely and responsibly, and that's my main goal is that if somebody chooses to use that it's in a responsible manner. And that's that's really it. I mean, just come to me. Um, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm pretty cool, I think, but. Awesome, sounds great. So I hope for everyone like who's in attendance at our event, as well as those who will be listening in on this afterwards, that you understand that Red is here for you guys, like like not here to scare anyone off or to intimidate you into confessing. No, there's none of that. Um, just someone who can guide you and really make you understand how you can safely use if you are using and how you can go about that approach. And so now that we've wrapped up our questions portion of the event, so if anybody has any questions, right now is a great time to ask.